Hey, this is Ross Baden with Rule Blame Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 144. The Vulture was right. And with me uh, this time is Caleb, Hello. Aaron, and Tom. Hey. Because uh, we're rotating hosts a lot and we're doing a roundtable because we saw Spider-Man Homecoming and we have things to talk about. Oh, <laughs> fuck do we have because the vulture about. was totally right probably yeah, spoilers for spider-man the, yeah if you haven't seen it before uh definitely go see it it's well worth the the price of admission but uh Mike, listen to michael keaton uh, it, it does re- it does reinforce the fact that the uh the greatest monster in the D- in the mcu is tony stark i think that's been well established for a yeah, while. I, that's why i said it reinforces yeah. it so it's, it's um, further evidence of the case yeah uh, anyways, before we get into that, though, uh, we also have shout-outs and anecdotes, but we also have some news, news of RPPR. Uh, so, first off, hey, RPPR has a Patreon. Uh, what? Did you, guys, did you guys know that? <laughs> uh, we have After Hours now. We have uh, Palladium Poisoning, which is a series where Faust, Sean, and I are going over that the... I was strangely absent from. Uh, well... I have a lot to say about riffs. I, I know you do, but, you know, uh, we're really just... Faust knows nothing about it, so we're... we're showing her the well the most riffs that riffs can be and it's going great so far so uh we've done a two-part episode recently where uh we're taking one group of adventurers in an adventure source book and turning it into a tv show uh so sean and i chose what genre it should be and now foster and i plotted out a whole season of it and that'll be the next episode and are you planning to sell it to the cw uh i'll uh, i was thinking more of fx but yeah I'll, I'll do it whoever pays ross he'll do it if it's yeah uh i just have to get the rights to riffs from it anyways um oh yeah i'm sure symbiotic we're also doing happy. patreon games online uh and there's a lot of other cool rewards. So, uh, you know, I recorded stuff with Glancy, uh, Adam Scott Glancy of Pagan Publishing when I was in Seattle. So, oh, check it out. Anyways, uh, next up, uh, speaking of promos, Caleb. Uh, so Red Markets is available for pre-order. You could buy the PDF and get it today. Uh, and the book is uh, currently being printed. So it should ship sometime in September. Yep. Uh, and you, if you pre-order now, your books go out with the Kickstarter fulfillment. So... You'll get it when everybody else who was in on the Kickstarter gets their books. Way before it gets into stores yeah. or anything. Yes, like way before it gets yeah. through distribution. And it's not a small book. It's not a small book. It, it is. is. A sizable <laughs> tome. It, it has value. Well, it yeah, it, yeah, it weighs, high value product. It weighs exactly five pounds, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but remember, it though, five it, pounds it has two mo- ounces. Remember, it does have multiple uses in the blight loss. So, yeah. so you yeah. can actually use it if the zombie. Oh, you can have them. a taker job where they break into the warehouse where the remainder are being stored and make a fort out of them. <laughs> you could also read it. Yeah, <laughs> it oh, could yeah. stop a bullet. The, yeah. the four hundred ninety-six pages that I wrote. Yeah. Reading it is also a possibility. But uh. if you buy it, I don't give a fuck what you do. With it. <laughs> yeah, buy buy make a fort today. Like, that uh, book took a bullet that was meant for me <laughs> <laughs> so uh we're also planning to do more red markets in the near future i mean actual plays of it so yes. uh we're still in the can the planning phase of it uh so that'll be a while but uh once a book gets closer to uh release uh or i mean like commercial release or whatever we'll we'll have those campaigns up you know uh campaign up uh, so also, uh, Gen Con. Gen Con is coming up. Gen Con! Yep. All right. We're not uh, excited. You, you are. Uh, so we have multiple events going on. Uh, the biggest one, though, is RPPR Live, uh, slash, uh, 
meet it's a meetup uh, live ep- recording of an episode uh there will be audience participation there will be prizes uh for the audience uh and that is gonna be friday 6 to 9 p.m three hours at crown plaza pennsylvania station c so yeah. well, check we, uh, check uh, that out are, are we be auctioning ross off as a date uh no, I, I that's too bad, Ross. No. You can make a mint. Okay, uh no, we were gonna have like trivia contests uh and things like that. So I, uh, is the impersonation contest coming back from last uh, year? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, that, that was a big success. So <laughs> uh, I still won't be there. Please yeah. don't come and have stuff for me and be disappointed when I'm not there. Because yeah, we can I still a... can't come. I but still we... cannot come. I have not been able to come all year. <laughs> and for anyone who asks me again, I still will not be there. Or present oh, at all. Although, but, if you do have stuff for us, we will gladly give it to you and then take a picture of him with Kale surrounded by his Gen Con holdings. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll accept, but like, I can't be there. Yeah. I, I cannot be there. I'm sorry. Uh, we will be doing the Caleb impersonation contest. We'll record that just for you. Great. I'll be sure not to listen to that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I'll the, put that on my list along with Palladium points. Oh, <laughs> oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. Oh, oh, no. Too, too far. No, no Hey, no. did you expect me to listen to a riffs based podcast, it's making fun of riffs. I mean, no, it's not. Not with you. <laughs> not with you. I know it starts that way until you hook people in. And you're gonna be like, "Oh, back in high school, the glory days. No, we were high school were not the glory teenage days. Teenage yeah, Mutant yeah, no. Ninja Turtles, and then you're gonna get on some tangent, and Sean's gonna be like, "Oh, remember that? And poor Faust." <laughs> Uh, she's been having a great time to do that uh, to a young yeah. woman. You're <laughs> monsters. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, we should talk about the episode topic. Maybe you think uh, yes. So, uh, yeah. We also Spider-Man: Homecoming. This episode is going to have tons By of spoilers. Way, yeah. Good it. movie. Yeah, Good it's movie. it's a very entertaining yeah. movie. It's it's the most Spider-Man Spider-Man's been in a Spider-Man movie. Uh, I I would yeah. think because it's well one it's not a fucking origin story. Thank that, fucking oh, God. That was so nice. Uh, yeah, if, if you thought you were going to throw yourself off a building for hearing uh, power and responsibility again, you, you, your life is safe now. You can, yeah. you can step back down. Um, and two of them, the villain, and, well, not, antagonist, I mean, that, that's an accurate title, but not really a villain. Uh, the vulture, played by Michael Keaton, is literally a base raider. He... He steals mm-hmm. shit yeah, he from a, superhero sites. He's the head of a base raider crew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they reverse engineer alien and superhero technology. Uh, I mean, mostly to sell weapons to criminals, but, I mean, uh, I mean the black market. So, clearly, he... Well, entirely to do that. Yeah, yeah, entirely to do that. <laughs> Solely to do that. <laughs> because they got... That's the one thing well, they by do. The, yeah. but because they got screwed. But they're at least using it. Like, they're making use of it, as opposed to the government, which is just hiding it in these and big... So, bubbles. we should explain, this yeah. is in the first five minutes of the yeah. movie, uh, Michael Keaton runs a job site where they are cleaning up... Like a salvage up. crew. Yeah, they're cleaning up after the Chitari invasion. In Avengers 1. Um, when, in the middle of it, after being hired to do so... They are removed from the job site by the op- Department of Damage Control, which is a governmental department um, that works in conjunction with um, Stark Enterprises to uh, clean up superpowered stuff so it doesn't get into the wrong hands. But not to use. So just, basically, just the government subcontracts out the work. And then Tony Stark comes in and steals that subcontract from other independent contractors so that he may do it and clean it up. Uh, It's not a government agency in itself. The government agency had already subcontracted it out. They just changed the subcontract 
and lost the vulture and all his men their jobs. At which point, they're just like conscientious construction workers breaking up, you know, Chitari monsters. And that's when they decide to become, you know, weapon dealing uh, criminals. Uh, and, and when was, they, when they, you know, get their entire livelihood stolen out from underneath them. Yeah. Because Tony Stark needed another contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, it was funny because the, there wasn't any other kind of offer of like, hey, here's some sort of severance from the government saying like, sorry about this. We'll see if we can get you another leave. work. Yeah. It, there wasn't, hey, do you want to become part of Stark contracting? There are yeah. rules to follow, but blah, blah, yeah, blah. No, it's just time daily wandering yeah. around going, my shit now. No. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, so he, he's essentially having the base rating ethos, you know, the premise of my game, and, uh, he is portrayed as the antagonist. But on the other hand, the, the so called, you know, hero mentor figures, Tony Stark, is literally the greatest threat to human life in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And he's wildly irresponsible in the movie Spider Man Homecoming. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, so I think it's kind of using this movie as a metaphor, lens to look at, morality in your own superhero game like what is moral and what is immoral so in spider-man homecoming they really focus on the idea that hierarchy and the status quo is inherently moral regardless of your personal actions and whatever you do to advance and protect the hierarchy and social uh, status quo is inherently good uh, yeah, as entertaining as the movie is the ideology of it is inherently fucked up yeah yeah Yeah. um Because, you know, at the end, you know, Tony Stark is a wildly irresponsible figure, uh, neglects, you know, the most talented, gifted, moral uh, teenager in the universe, you know, Peter Parker, uh, and... Why you know it's very then uh, deprives him of his lethal weapons he yeah, gave him yeah. <laughs> without any training yeah so the suit is actually a lethal kill machine well, see, that yeah. we don't find out till midway well, through well see this strikes me as even more responsible because he gave him a suit that was easily hacked by another high school student to release it from his training protocol yeah. Exactly. Or or he was able to find, and I know this is Peter Parker we're talking about, but still, it was like he took the quarter-sized magnet tracking device from his super suit and then left it on there going, well, I'm good now. So, yeah. uh, So there's that, and then um, Spider-Man tries to stop a crime, and the criminals do horrible things, um, and then... Tony Stark prevents the uh, the ferry from sinking. Yeah. Then he proceeds to take the only protective apparatus he's given the superhero <laughs> away from him. Um, and then at which point Peter Parker does more heroic things with no protection whatsoever and not but a hoodie. Um, whose actions as a result of that through you know various things end up with him being crushed under an entire building before crashing a jumbo jet into Coney Island. Uh, and just barely avoiding, you know, doing it into a major mass casualty. Yeah. <laughs> At which point, Tony Stark encourages him to come back, drop out of high school, and become an Avenger full time. Because, or otherwise, you know, no, otherwise known as a child soldier. Yeah. So, uh, to be clear, when when he was too reckless and got a ferry, almost sunk. Yeah. And Iron Man saved the day. Then he's off the books. He's done. He can't do it again. But when, after doing that, he wrecks a jumbo jet (laughs) full of super weapons into a crowded city, um, that is when he's got moxie. And he likes the cut of this kid's jib. And so that's what he gets in with a full ride and a three-digit salary as an Avenger. Oh, and and on top of that, an even more advanced suit that is probably quadruple the lethality rating. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, and the, and this. Meanwhile, the only people yeah. the vulture is shown as killing or harming is other criminals in his own crew. Yeah, he basically is a burglar. <laughs> yeah, he basically just steals super yeah. shit. The stakes, the stakes um, are not the world is being threatened. It's, now he is an yeah. arms dealer, and he is not morally good for that regard. Uh, it's true, but like. Saying that Spider-Man and, by extension, Tony Stark are in superior moral positions, uh, as the Vulture points out, though I am imperfect, is bullshit. Because Tony Stark (laughs) is an inherent monster. And this disregards, like, Ultron. And you know the all the events of Civil War and everything else, which is objectively Tony Stark's fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or Tony Stark, yeah, atta- in attacking the probably the one person, maybe even more moral than Peter Parker, <laughs> Captain America, because <laughs> your friend killed my mom when he was massively brainwashed. No, well, that 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 that's that's a little more ambiguous because that the Winter Soldier, whether or not he's dangerous or not today, is a is you know a, a, a valid question. But but. In the Spider-Man Homecoming, Tony Stark punishes him when uh, punishes Spider-Man when Spider-Man makes him look bad in public. You know the fairy thing. <laughs> yeah. He rewards him when he saves his bacon by uh, stopping the theft of the shit that of he, his stuff of his own stuff. Yeah. So like, and that and that 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 clearly shows that like Tony Stark's only looking out for number one. He is a, he is a sociopath narcissist who doesn't give a shit about any other human. And on the hit planet. on Peter Parker's aunt. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. While he's you know engaged to be engaged to uh, Pepper Potts, but, which is why I think so. that you know May's eventual uh, and the bigger the spoiler for the end of this one where she figures out who he uh, he is, just punctuating what the. Fuck! It's yeah, like, yeah. no, that's great, because you realize your nephew has now been in mortal danger and possibly been murdering people. So. Well, um, so yeah, so the, the and I think this the thing is, the movie writers don't even realize, or I mean, they, they don't care, that their hierarchy, the, the, the morality they show in the movie, is not actually moral by, I don't know, what I would consider moral. Um, but that's because I think the superhero genre traditionally is a very conservative very much protect the status quo at any cost um and i mean it's why batman chases street criminals instead of you know financing jobs programs in the yeah, poor neighborhoods i mean i wrote the intro to base raiders and this movie is like that in a cinematic form like, yeah it is very much like your crime is getting the powers yourself yeah. Not through the privilege of birth, like Tony Stark, are being accidentally bitten by a spider. Your crime is wanting it. Right. <laughs> you all, all your other actions are justified if you stumble ass over tea kettle and land on a radioactive spider. Uh, well, you could any number of casualties are forgiven at that point. The second you decide to, and through your own ingenuity, design a fucking massive flying super suit, then all you are culpable for all of society's woes. Well, it's not. <laughs> It's not the accidental part. It's that once you're accidentally given powers, that then you choose to serve the status quo. Yeah. Like, like there are villains who get their powers accidentally and then, like, decide to go rob banks. And to be clear, I'm not arguing that yeah. the Vulture is the moral character here. I'm yeah. saying that the Vulture is not alone in his crimes. Yeah. yeah. Which the Vulture himself points out. Yeah. And Michael Keaton's a better actor than literally everyone else in the film. <laughs> so it's also pretty fucking persuasive. He's like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit. But so are all of you. And the movie, for all of its, you know, virtues as a flaw, just sort of like, nah, that's nonsense. Just hand waves that shit. <laughs> it goes back to a super fight. Oh, yeah. It was pretty much, yeah, like, like all the damage the Vulture caused. Like, what about the damage Tony Stark caused? Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah. he gets a pass yes. because he's now he's a billionaire. Yeah. Um yeah, they're like, "Well, what are you what about the collateral damage of those people you sold weapons to?" It's like, "I I don't make them do it. Yeah. I didn't drop a continent on the planet like Tony Stark <laughs> or create the AI that did it like Tony Stark or cause a war among superpowered people that tore up multiple cities across the planet like, like Tony Stark. <laughs> like He just points out that he's like, yeah, also, he used to be a weapons dealer exactly like I am. Like... Only he's Tony only Stark. Because, only because he's still a weapons dealer, or did he give that up? He I, gave I that up okay. to go into renewable energy. But yeah. he's like, he's like, but just like, but hey, that except that, for you know the Spider-Man suit he gave a 15-year-old yeah. with the instant kill mode yeah. power. And, and let's be also, uh, let's also put into a, into that's uh, like interview the fact of all of his various suits that still have. More weaponry than probably a th- uh, the th- any third world country that you'll ever see. No. Um, the uh, the advancements that he will give to his partners and anybody else as well. So yeah, he's. I mean, the, critical to it. The thing is, like, it's the one of the most. Peter Parker's other superpowers isn't really uh, mentioned is his amazing his just mutant power of self-restraint because you know a 15 year old adolescent teenager who's experiencing raging uh, yeah experiencing bullying at school the fact that he did not murder Flash Gordon or put him in the hospital uh, Flash Thompson yeah Flash Thompson sorry Um, (laughs) I would love to see that Flash Flash (laughs) it's like like how the I mean he got a little bit of revenge at the end but like 99% I, I don't know 90% of teenagers oh no I'd have punched a hole through that motherfucker <laughs> yeah. well okay, to be fair also this Flash Thompson there was, it was more the I'm the cool popular bully who just verbally does instead of the jock bully who will shove you into a locker well yeah, yeah. yeah. but I mean the effect is the same mm-hmm. like I mean uh, Peter Parker with he's also incredibly resistant to damage in this movie like he gets bounced around more than the Hulk in the Avengers uh, yeah. between buildings falling on him uh, being thrown from various objects uh, well, to be clear, for the majority of the movie, he yeah. is wearing a highly protective Kevlar yeah. Weave Stark super suit. But, until, yeah. as a result of using it to try and stop crime, Tony Stark takes it away from him. As he's, thus encouraging yeah. him to go back on the streets with a hoodie and some spandex. And, and, and yeah. then hang outside of a jumbo jet flying <laughs> probably 500 miles per yeah, hour. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, is, Tony Stark is criminally irresponsible in uh, mentoring that kid because he didn't even like... Even though he had the spy suit surveillance on the suit, he didn't like tell him, "Oh yeah, I got the FBI guys to uh, arrest them at the ferry." Like he could have prevented the entire third act of the movie with one phone call. Yeah, but then he'd have to answer the phone, yeah. and he didn't want to mm-hmm. do that. Oh yeah, yeah. oh, but that was even yeah. worse because he's delegating through a. Uh, it's like a, a chauffeur. A, yeah. yeah, a subordinate. Yeah, he, he also had a, a chauffeur arrange a highly, highly sensitive. Weapon of mass destruction transport. Yeah. He also, in in order to organize, you know, moving out the perhaps the most sophisticated technology in the world, of which maybe there's an infinity stone in there. We don't know. He got happy the chauffeur. He delegated that down to him. Onto <sighs> a plane that can be remotely hacked. Look, we all got justifiably freaked yeah. out when Steve Bannon was given security clearance. <laughs> yeah. When Trump's driver is given the nuke coats, which is actually slightly less bad than what Tony Stark actually did, uh, I think we should bat an eye at that. Yeah. I'm just saying. And also, like, I can't help but notice that, yeah, like, 
he becomes the father figure to this kid and then leaves him. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. doing exactly what Tony Stark or Howard Stark did to Tony Stark. So, like, <laughs> repeating the cycle, even though he's aware of the cycle and says, yeah, I should not do that because it was horrible to me. And I hated it so much and it but damaged me as a it. person. But, eh. But, no, I, I can't, you know, it's totally yeah. right. Just, yeah, I'm simply saying, it's like, look, I've tracked him to the ferry. Like, oh, I called the FBI. There's agents on board ready to make an arrest. Yeah. He, he, did, he didn't even have to call him. He could have texted him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, like, it's like hey, thanks. You could even you know, it's like hey, like good, like good work on the good work on the surveillance. No. FBI, FBI's moving in on the arrest. Or I mean, he's a literal billionaire. He could have hired a team of like child therapists and specialist teachers to like guide and mold the kid and like uh, hone his skills and also you know uh, make him not take down crews armed with super weapons. Or know? seeing, or immediately if he wanted to bring him into the fold, saying, all right. We're going to let your aunt know what this is happening because she's your parent. Yeah. She has a right to know. And at the same time, we're going to see you have the finest training on up to yeah. upstate New York. Well, to also, be fair, hey, though, you're no longer to be poverty. fair, though, Peter Parker is probably uh, no. Yeah, definitely to be safer. fair, yeah, uh, in, uh, New Peter York. Parker's in a, in the best magnet school in New York. Oh yeah, yeah like, that was <laughs> yeah. He's in yeah. No, he's okay at education. Like. Well, I'm talking. He's also physically safer being in there rather than in the Avengers compound. Yeah, just just that to be, shit, that just to be clear, moved, they t- they know. talk about him being like you know young and scrappy, and they do do a lot of like scrappy Peter Parker Spider-Man no, yeah. stuff but him and Aunt May are rich AF like they they got money like you see the size of that fucking apartment in New York like <laughs> enormous apartment I don't know what Aunt May does but like it's just one step down from Tony Stark in terms of that like level of money or at least Uncle Ben had like a huge life insurance yeah, policy yeah, no shit. he knew he was gonna die and invested or, in it since the day he was born or that's <laughs> like the, that's the new story that May took him out and just is keeping quiet about the whole thing yeah like, he's uh, going to a expensive magnet school like, no. yeah um, so the question is of course uh, now we've kind of sort of revealed our critique of it like how do you work it how would you use this in a game like uh, how would this apply to a role-playing game? So, like, Base Raiders, I kind of did the Tabla Raza thing to, like, remove all the Tony Starks, all the uh, major characters, so just leaving all that cool shit behind so people could be their own vultures or spider man But the government kind of did step in. Right, well, I mean, the government steps in, but they're not super-powered. They can't real. They, they have no idea what they're doing either. So, um, what would you do, like... It would be interesting for me, my, my media thought is doing a superhero games like Base Raiders, but the Tony Starks are still there. So you're playing the Vulture, or you're playing someone yeah, opposed well, to yeah, the Vulture. When you so. The first thing I would think of is the players would be the Vulture in that story. Yeah. yeah. Totally. There's no way they would be part of the status quo. Look, ideally, in this situation... Spider-Man takes down the Vulture, and then he proceeds to try and take down Tony Stark. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's not it. It's like so that's the thing. Like Spider-Man's pretty moral, or at least you know, a naive at certain points in the yeah. film. But like that's the thing. Status quo in comic books for years has been inherently good, and the reaction against that was to get uber uber gritty and everything. But I think the the way you should probably go if you want to like a role playing game that resonates more is to acknowledge that. You are inherently in a might makes right universe. That's why you have superpowers. Like, you have superpowers inherently because your will is supersedes what society as a whole has called moral. Like, and that's the thing. 
Maybe you want the villain to win sometimes. Or maybe you want to shut down the villain and you also want to shut down someone that's generally a duly elected figure or power. Like, because you're in a world where your individual mandate supersedes that of the entire Hobbesian Leviathan. Because you can fucking sense danger and jump 18 feet in the air and do shit like that. So, like, I think uh, if you want to bring it into your game, you have to, like, acknowledge the fact that, like, Maybe this week we take down the cops. <laughs> like, maybe, yeah, like... Uh, we are the cops now. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, uh, it shouldn't be... I don't think it should be all one side or the other. Like, no. I think, yeah, you should be, like, drug gangs, but, like, you should also be, like, kids smoking pot, shoot them in the head. Like, yeah. <laughs> you should acknowledge that that is an action with moral consequences that are more severe than a kid dealing a little bit of pot. Yeah. Like, uh, just because one thing it proposes to be the status quo doesn't make it ipso facto the right moral thing. Because why would you be a superhero if you wanted to be judged by the mandate of, like, what other human beings thinks and the majority rule? Like... Because that's not the point. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I kept thinking like like those stories like where Superman stops a robbery. Like, what about the charges against him? Yeah, there's yeah. that Saturday morning breakfast cartoon where uh, scientists approach Superman and says like, you know, you're wasting your time doing this. <laughs> Just get in this treadmill and generate clean renewable energy for us. <laughs> and like that, like it becomes a utopia. And a hundred years later, you know, he dies, and they say Superman, a transitional power source. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so like, yeah, you could go for u- the utilitarian argument, like <laughs> what is the best use of my super strength and uh, that kind of thing. Aaron, or- um, the one thing I could think it, it would be interesting, kind of talking about just maintaining the status quo. Yeah. There's one where the status quo is not even aware of how bad that they're doing it. and Yeah, uh, they're self-delusional. Uh, yeah, yeah, self-delusion, too, because that could basically go back to the Tony Stark. The one thing that always brings in Yeah, he thinks is, he's a good guy. Yeah, or um, actually... Yeah, that's uh, the thing Jack about... That's why Vulture was right. Not right morally, but, like, right factually. Well, uh, I, think, I am a bad guy, but so are you. <laughs> uh, well, it's when he ex- yeah. was explaining his plan, like, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but where I go for that is, uh, like, Jack Kirby's Fourth World, where, uh, especially, I think it was in, like, the, when they actually adapted for, like, Superman, they mm-hmm. did, literally, the new gods were going, like, we have this entire world down here? What the fuck? What was going on? Wait, they're actually, you can speak? You can do this? Wait, you shouldn't be able to do this with our technology, and then do it using that as a way for the storytelling, if you did with the character saying like no we've been living off the scraps of your power for years and creating our own civilization how can we uplift you and then doing yeah. that as one I mean yeah you could do worse than ripping off Jack, Jack Kirby yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's that's always that's always a good uh, clutch move um, I mean like the one problem I had with the latest Base Raider campaign is that when American Pharaoh stopped being crazy yeah um, he he was a person that realized that like uh, spoilers for this yeah <laughs> because your status quo oh, is that not posted yet uh, no we haven't gotten to the second tier yet he okay because uh, he was a person that realized the status quo did not instantly make it right and he in fact thought it made it worse his like his his most moral use of superpowers was don't use superpowers <laughs> like don't do that it's bad like yeah. it's inherently bad it leads to bad things on any side of things yeah. but um, that can lead to you like being crippled and stuff like that yeah so you just have to say your characters is like you are the new morality like it's fascist it's objectively wrong by a lot of philosophical metrics uh but you know what you can punch holes through steel so we can't tell you shit (laughs) uh so what's right and wrong and you get to you're it now it's not like whatever the politician said or the rich guy said like you are right and wrong like 
yeah, I mean, you could see. Uh, I mean, people these superhero stories tend to like, especially the the genre of superheroes. Like, oh, superheroes have emerged all at once, and society's reacting to it. They never do. They always like, oh, we we gotta fight. It's always turns into a war between non superpowered people versus superpowered people. But I think a, an equally possible reaction would be this: non superpowered people just surrender. You know, like. It, like one, you know, a Superman shows up, beats up bank robbers for three weeks, and the cops just say, "We quit. We all quit. We can't do that. Uh, we're all, we're all demoralized. We're all afraid he's going to." Or you've got on stuff us. like uh, uh, Black Summer, yeah. Where like, oh yeah, the one of the on. superheroes just like, I think I should kill the president. Yeah, <laughs> and because it's morally right, he just floats in and kills the president. Well, actually, uh, and no one can do anything <laughs> to stop him. And then the other superheroes are like, "We have to fight him," and they're like. Well, was he wrong? He killed a whole well, bunch of people. Actually, yeah, they mentioned that in the, the Red Sun comic. Oh, yeah. It's like where he goes around. He saves so many people from disasters. It's that emergency responders don't even do their job anymore. Oh, yeah. See, there they you said, go. Like, yeah. They said, like, oh, like, no. Like, no, like if there's an emergency, no one responds. It's like, it's okay. Superman will be here in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Or then it's like, um, uh, or no hero, another word, Ellis, where, like, the yeah. first superhero action is beating the shit out of a bunch of cops who are stopping a hippie protest. <laughs> like, and then they become, like, a horrible corporate monster corporation because they're the new power structure and they lose their revolutionary impulse. Like, yeah, I mean... All of those things are that could happen if you have a person that is essentially a god. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It also who's going to tell him no? Yeah. It also depends on the scale. Like, are your superheroes actual gods, or are they more like Spider-Man, who still needs to sleep and eat and still has, you know, human feelings? You know? Yeah. Uh, in which case, they're more malleable and they have less control over society. I mean, you know, it's also perception. You know, there's always the idea of, like, non-superhero people manipulating the superheroes, you know. Uh You've had numerous uh, storylines for that. Um, yeah, so I think that that's another possibility for a role-playing game is uh, the emergence of superpowers. By the way, if you haven't seen Spider-Man yet, you should. If you haven't seen Tom Holland on Lip Sync Battles, uh, oh, yeah? version of uh, Sing in the Rain slash Rihanna's Umbrella, <laughs> definitely get on YouTube and watch that. He kills it. Um, you know, you never that, thought you wanted yeah. to see Peter Parker in drag <laughs> until you did. <laughs> and then it was there. All right. Um, Another idea is actually they, they emphasize, you know, base raiders are about going into the bat caves and the super fortress of solitude, but the the vulture always focuses on like superhero, you know, battle sites. Like, or government warehouses. Well that that have reclaimed shit from battle sites, you know, like the 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 uh uh the aftermath of all these massive battles. And I think that that would could be a whole base raiders campaign too, or any you no, know, just like, constantly stealing from the EPSA or Yeah, uh, well yeah, just like think about all those like just looking up like, oh yeah, the this superhero fought another, you know, a super villain's giant robot in this in Puget Sound. Let's go diving in Yeah, the whole movie is basically like, well that that ship full of Kalishnikovs is legal, yeah. so let that go through. But that Syrian technical they welded together in their garage, blow that shit up. No. <laughs> they don't deserve that. They didn't fill out the right permit or pay. For yeah. It. yeah. But just yeah, just the just doing sort of archaeology on like battle sites like, and digging up. Or you could have, yeah. like, you have a villain that arranges battles between supergroups. Yeah, and then just swoops in and <laughs> yeah, another vulture essentially yeah. Yeah. creative yeah. destruction. Yeah, that's like uh, or in, in this case going for the raider because he could just do with an archaeologist who is constantly going to sites and, mm-hmm. and saying like oh so this text said this had power. Oh, going. the the, the Rene Belloc. Of yeah, yeah, super, that's a good one. Of super. Yeah, no, I, I like the idea of you like going to like battlefields and uh, uh, combat sites. You know. Like, like 
ruined buildings or just big craters in the ground where there's like you know dig up robot heads and shit like that. And uh, yeah, the vulture in the movie kills one person. And it's arguably by accident. Yeah, and then he says, I, I, I thought this was the anti-gravity. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Tony Stark has killed tens of thousands. Yeah. Not counting people, he's just flat out shot with missiles. Yeah, the which, first, of which in the first Iron Man, there's at least 15, 16, yeah. Yeah, he kills like 50 people in that movie. Yeah, Alone, yeah. yeah. Uh, and just, yeah, I'm going to take my suit out for a spin and engage yeah. a tank battalion. Or, that's, or, or that scene in the second one where Congress is basically telling him, look, share your technology so we can tell whether or not it's a threat to the world. They're like, no, it's my stuff, can't do it. Yeah. yeah. You could hire me for the Department of Damage Control of battles caused by my battles. <laughs> like, if you pay me to clean up after the fights that I cause yeah. and the massive property to set. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, Tony Stark is a monster. <laughs> um, and... Uh, of course, then we're you know getting the economics of it. I mean, it, looking at the superhero genre or role playing games in, in general as sort of like a critique of capitalism itself. Like, can you even have a moral game uh, in a game in a, in a world in a setting where it's all about the money at the end of the day? You know, like how much do you make? Tony Stark, I think, if he was not a billionaire but had the same technology, he would be considered like a terrorist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or a villain because. But he's a job creator. But he is yeah. a job creator. Um, so how do you engage with? superhero uh, or critiquing capitalism in a game well there would probably be blocks i mean like that's the thing if you're going with a truly you know more realistic moral universe you're gonna have like imagine congress if mitch mcconnell had eye lasers (laughs) like (laughs) these you're you're gonna have blocks of superheroes that think like healthcare is not a right pay for it (laughs) like and they're gonna be actively destroying like socialist reforms and stuff like that on the other side, you're going to have, like, tumblerinas with the ability to throw trucks. <laughs> so it's going to be like, oh, God, you you uh, accidentally misgendered that person. <laughs> Eat semi. Like, uh, I, yeah, it, it's going to be fucking chaos. Just like, as we go yeah. into battle legislator. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, I mean, I guess a lot of it, there's a lot of uh, uh, space to, like, set up, like, how these fight. Like, the thing is, we're talking about them literally engaging in battles, but, like, it, a lot of it depends on the mechanics of it. Like, exactly how powerful are they? What are their weaknesses? Um, how long can they fight? And that kind of thing. So, like, you know, if the, a lot of... Uh, pretty much every superhero setting has some sort of conceit for, like, power negators. That's how they can do all those cop interrogation scenes where they yeah. get the mutant and thing. So, are there power negators? Are there, you know, uh, ways to uh, take down uh, superheroes? Uh, or superhumans, um, so that that you can you can have a lot of uh, variants. I could see like a like dueling becomes legal again, you know, uh, as one solution to to justify you know trial by combat um, as a way to just like we got we got to keep our cities intact. Go out to the fucking desert, and whoever wins will make that into law. <laughs> uh, we'll make they that yeah. So please, <laughs> or please, if, or if you want please. the other one, uh, yeah. somebody comes up with a way to do telepathic battle so instead of it being a heavy damage it's just two guys locked in front of a in a park bench for at least five hours or maybe it's like drops. highlanders they have their own code of law like yeah they have their like they have this their, is this is they have an accord ground. their yeah. own agreed upon way for just you know d- determining these 
uh, you know, moral disputes amongst the only people who matter. Yeah. Like, so maybe they have like certain things like that. Well, if you're going to get to this, you got to get out of a populated area or else everyone, regardless of ideology, goes against you. Yeah. Because- uh, so perhaps you have a law above the law because even supervillains have their own favorite bodega and they don't uh, want you yeah. blowing it up. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine superheroes looking like looking at normal people like, like, what does it want? Yeah. Um, I just like the idea, though, of like, uh, every, you know, in the year 2030, vaping is mandatory because Cloud Chaser <laughs> defeated Tumblrina in <laughs> arena battle, you know, and uh, I just like that. So uh, liquor laws were all abolished because of booze hound. That would be interesting because then you could have also you could do a corporate dystopia because mega corporations start sponsoring superheroes and it becomes an arms race. Yeah, lobby of superheroes. It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, NASCAR. Class like, war. If you've yeah, ever yeah. read oh. that one, that's another. But like, yeah, you could do a whole like sports or NASCAR thing where like there's the underdog hero who's, you know, fighting for the public good versus all these like corporate sponsored team, you know. Who has he- logos all over their uniform. Yeah, and they have like teams of attendants and stuff to you know, juice them and God, like. God, I wish I'd read that China me of a version of Iron Man. Oh, yeah. A bunch of, like, unemployed Detroit auto workers create build a combat suit. Yeah. <laughs> create a thousand-person team <laughs> to build a combat suit and take down Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, I, I saw that trash, same proposal. Trash Iron Man. Oh, God. I would have bought that day one. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of space. I mean, it's just an examining, I think, the inherent morality of, like, what kind of, like, a role-playing game is obviously not real life, so it's sort of, like, thematically, you kind of have to have some sort of inherent, like, this is good and this is bad in the setting. Um, I mean, even Red Markets has that, as, and it's, like, capitalism bad, and here's why, I think, it's kind of the summary of it, so. Well, probably what would be said, that like, the set status quo, again, is what causes the least disruption in life, and especially... Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the uh, the uh, NPC population that would be willing to go with that too. So, i.e., what the one percent wants. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, would you see uh, an inherent morality in uh, red markets? Um, I think it's that uh, capitalism is a lot of the reason that you are bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The yeah because the, yes, there, there are, is no ethical consumption in capitalism. There, yeah, there are awful people in it, but like. Um, not being awful costs a lot. So yeah. the vulture, in other words, yeah, 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 like, yeah not, not, I'm bad, but so are you. Yeah, yeah. It, the moral thing would be to lose my job and you know have my family be homeless. And well, as a, not educate yeah. my daughter. And yeah. they know. said in Breaking Bad, yeah, like being a good guy is really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you do look at that again, bringing up the point that out of all the casualties that were brought up from this, mm-hmm. um, the only ones he would really be responsible. Well, are personally was like first shocker and. Uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cap- and then it- I would, th- I would say, capitalism is vast and uncaring, like an elder god. Yeah, <laughs> but it has an incentivization system, and it doesn't incentivize moral behavior. Uh, he does endanger the fairy because it's his weapons that uh, cause the incident. In the no, he's place. not a good guy. Yeah, yeah. That's not so, the argument. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was right when he said he was not the only bad guy. Well, that was uh, that's another thing too. Going with the uh, the empowerment of the status quo, because on the mm-hmm. second watching, I was going, if Peter had not been so gung ho about 
taking that laser and no. and he even said you were playing with things you have not understand. Yeah, it's like putting an untrained teenager into battle with hardened criminals armed with energy weapons is not a good idea. <laughs> and the adults who were in charge of that teenager may have had something to do with that uh, by fucking not giving him a heads up about the FBI. At yeah. Least. Oh, yeah. But the FBI would have like I, I don't think the FBI would have succeeded uh, against the crew uh, without uh, because they had fucking pistols. And guess what? Plasma rifle versus uh, uh, automatic handgun isn't going to turn out well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just kind of fucked uh, either way. So, yeah, uh, Tony Stark was throwing red shirt FBI agents at the crew. <laughs> uh, Shocker would have. Yeah, the Shocker had his own uh, uh already was armed with his uh, electro fists anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Which brings up uh, another question, too, that if you have a group like Damage Control, which is taking care of at least the uh, transportation and storage of these items, you would, they would have their own unit to take care of these crimes already. That is equipped. That's another question. Like, how did Damage Control not realize they're getting, they're losing so much shit? Like, this is like, this reminds me of Iraq and those pallets of money that disappeared in the invasion. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is like, what if he's not, the reason the Vulture got away with it for eight years is because other people in Damage Control were skimming uh, and he's like, the, the black market isn't just him. So there's still a way to get Ultron heads and and uh, uh, Shatari energy. Also, crystals. the previous arrangement was he's going to sell it for salvage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So presumably, the previous arrangement was they hire a group, and then the government, in order to prevent it from going other hands, pays them for salvage rights, so that they don't send it to people that could turn it into weapons. At which point, like, that's a pretty solid incentive system, because even if the government's paying less money, mm-hmm. you don't have the additional risk of becoming, like, an underground criminal. Instead, <laughs> instead, they sell it all to Tony Stark, who hoards it, and they pay him to hoard it for them. Yeah. <laughs> and then that brings up another... Uh, but it brings up another issue, too, with saying uh, an alternate way this could have gone on, saying, hey... We see that you well, are doing this. We're willing to pay you. Oh, you have this guy who can create even uh, like more advanced tech for us. You have this salvaging suit. Holy shit, this makes it totally easy. Yeah, like yes. even, even aside from like Tinkerer being in the wrong line of work for yeah. what he is, yeah. and like he should have been a, being a bit overtrained for a guy who runs a crowbar every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you've taken a system where it was like get some money for doing this honest job with no risk or get a lot of money with a lot of risk and you change that into starve to death or get a lot of money for some risk and weird they made a choice yeah Um, but yeah, I could see a game, uh, you could do any number of games, like from Fiasco or something else, about like the underground economics of like the people hiding in the shadows of superheroes and supervillains, um, and trying to stay out of the limelight, but just trying to make a buck and maybe do something right, or maybe just, uh, you know, that, the, the fact that they were able to reverse engineer alien tech and, you know, uh, merge it with human technology, like that guy, yeah, that guy should have fucking patented his shit and sold it to Stark. It uh, was, it was basically the Iraq war yeah. in, for superhero terms in a corollary because like they fired the army yeah, and so it was starved to death or become a terrorist. And yeah. then the surge, which is like, you could have just paid them to not be terrorists, <laughs> which is not—it's not a great use of your money, but probably better in the long term. Like, 
And that's all the surge was, was like, stop putting people on the street and give them money for not shooting us. <laughs> Which, you know, lo and behold, that kind of worked for a while. <laughs> it kind of worked for a while. But only after, you know, a couple of, you know, Years. Years of starving them to death. And civil war. Terrorists. Civil yeah. war, yeah. yeah uh, was, maybe a sooner rather than later uh, effect would have been done. Yeah, it's amazing how uh, desperate people will eventually do whatever they can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so yeah, you have to... I, I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways you can approach this uh, for your own games. Um, and yeah, I kind of like the idea of uh, the damage sites and the the stepping living in the shadows of superheroes. I kind of want to do a prequel game to Base Raiders now, uh, of people living up with the ideal shit and like uh, cleaning up after them because I think that could be fun uh, as well. I mean, like Happy, that's an interesting character too. Like, yeah. as like the the guy whose only qualification is undying loyalty to Stark. And Tony realizing it, so he trusts him with Oh, everything. God, that's a Trump move there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so this guy's totally unqualified to be what he is, and having to deal with, oh, I got to deal with fucking AIs and, you know, weapons of mass destruction. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, and the sheer hypocrisy of that is like, we need to be reined in, guys, for civil war. Is like, yeah. My sheriff, chauffeur is in charge of national defense now. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going too rogue. Yeah. Going to pump Captain America in face, but this guy drove me for a few years, so. I yeah, trust you him. know, give him the Hulk buster. Oh, that, oh yeah, we're literally, we're literally, we're literally going to declare the most patriotic, honest soldier in history a terrorist. Also, he's yeah. the weak link. If I was fucking Doctor Doom or Hydro, like, why wouldn't I flip happy? Like, yeah. you know. Like, turn him over to my side, uh, mind control him or bribe him or whatever, um, or replace him with some shapeshifter like that. Yeah, do do yeah. immediate link like, oh, you can suggest bad ideas to him? Keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, God, any, any uh, yeah, are there any things you could you could apply this to, to red markets aside from capitalism bad? Uh, final <laughs> thing, yeah. No, a bit yeah. of a reach for. Yeah. For the red markets um, corollary. Well, I mean, I could see like near future tech. Um, again, like if you found some crew that found a, a, a treasure trove of like cutting edge technology and using it as a power multiplier, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say capitalism bad necessarily, yeah. but it always exists in a world of material force. And yeah. Um, doing those two things together, they're going to corrupt each other like a terrible Reese's. Uh, <laughs> like capitalism exists in a world of martial power, and when you live in a superpower world of you know i can shoot that from my <laughs> fingertips uh it's gonna get weird if you're on like anything but you know this silver age mm-hmm. you know stay safe citizen like that kind of stuff and like that's not wrong we were all growing up with that and that's the game people want you should run it but yeah uh, if you're looking for your gritty superhero uh story and like the cops are always the good guys yeah Dude, wake up. No. (laughs) Uh, Just for the sheer fact that every superhero isn't going to like cops, the cops, because the superheroes get to determine who the good guys are on an individual basis. I like how it's consistently portrayed that the one superhero that the cops do like is the Punisher. Like, that's the one that is literally one of the Punisher's superpowers, only superpowers. The cops are like, yeah, you can do your thing. We're not going to chase you. Like, I know that that's a conceit to, like, make the justifier or the Punisher work at all. But, like, I like that Captain America, oh, you're a menace. Oh, Spider-Man, you're a menace. Punisher? Eh. 
Well, he's also dealing with, like, the hero, the things the cops have to deal with. Yeah. Like, the cops get shot at by gangsters and stuff. Most, other than Spider-Man, no one cares about, like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Tony Stark is trying to stop, you know, Thanos or something. <laughs> and they don't give a shit about, like, human traffickers and stuff like that. Whereas, they walk into a Punisher scene, they're all dead. <laughs> the cops call it in, the... I bet coroners hate him, <laughs> or at least like, the one fuck, or at least the one rookie who's sitting there. I haven't like, had a fine. night home with my kids in weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh no, or the first rookie who's vomiting, and it's like, <laughs> how do we deal with this? Oh, you'll come to love him. <laughs> yeah. Like the only thing that here's is, some Vicks vapor rub. Yeah, <laughs> literally, it's just the paperwork, and then we're done. Like, we're yeah, good. Like, yeah, actually, the, like hey, the precinct, we get like Punisher shaped donuts on Tuesdays. <laughs> uh, There's no witnesses. No one ever prosecutes. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, actually, though, Sarge, the, aren't we aren't we just vindicating a serial killer? The coroner doesn't like him very much. Yeah. Oh, how what was the cause of death? Maybe a gunshot wound. <laughs> Woo! Big surprise. Thanks for mixing it up, Frank. <laughs> On to number forty-six. Guessing it's a gunshot wound. Yep. Autopsy proves it to be true. It's like number eighty-four. He's like, just sliding them off into a pile. Like, or like number eighty-four. Like whoa, shrapnel damage this time. Yeah, we have the uh, Frank Castle we ex- uh, expansion wing for the morgue. Uh, There's probably like a whole teaching hospital in New York <laughs> just based around Frank Castle murders. Yeah, every or, single doctor knows how to treat yeah. gunshot wounds. Or and you how have to, one, uh, uh, you know, yeah, autopsy. Um, or you have one enterprising young resident who. Who's, doing, who's getting money for the hospital through a YouTube channel. How did this Punisher victim die today? Can you guess <laughs> Everyone it? on a trauma rotation and everyone in epidemiology rotation has to go through a castle <laughs> <laughs> two weeks in the corner. Oh, God. Yeah. They, they, just just call it, they just call it going to the castle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you know, actually, I do th- I realize how red markets could apply uh, to the vultures, right? Because um, you were talking earlier about how uh, it's might makes right and how you create your own morality through that. And like that applies in the loss as well because if you have a heavily armed group of people and they take over an enclave, like their morality becomes... Like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, the whole game. Is yeah, yeah. Every enclave is ruled by this you know different ideology. Yeah. Uh, we just... So, ran, yeah. So we, it's in practice. Yeah. So it's like the ultimate... It's the, uh, the, the final... Like if you want to see what the vulture was right because eventually becomes it's the young yeah we just ran a game uh where they were at my way which was started as a backer commission but i really Mm -hmm. like and my way is in a giant convention center that through sewers and roofs and different Mm -hmm. back channels and employee can bypass a city that's massively overrun with casualties and so their whole society was based around memory because they had these shifting paths that could get people through but the only way they survived was by charging tariffs Mm-hmm. So, like, you could shoot them, but then you'd be trapped and you'd go through the wrong door and get eaten. So they write it down, but then it gets stolen and they lose everything. So, like, the ultimate good and the power players were people who had good memories <laughs> who were guides through this path. And, they, they, yeah, they were just – they're the runners of societies, the wayfinders. You could remember this insanely arcane, constantly shifting labyrinth setup that they used to keep their tariffs. And they they ruled society. But everything else was make work because they got through tariffs. So, like, they didn't they – didn't, um, isolate latents they hired people to come around and clean after them like mm-hmm. you know people just followed them around and disinfected things they touched and made sure they kept away from they had minders it's it's it'll just like make yeah. work shit because it's solely through tariffs but guess what if that's the way all society decides the person with the best memory 
who can withstand the most torture when people are trying to figure out the route, that becomes the new good and, you know, not necessarily anything else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you could, so uh, it also shows that, you know, uh, on context, any kind of superpower uh, can become like a kingmaker. Yeah. Um, So, you know, like, oh, my power is to repel fungus. Uh, it's kind of shitty until the alien fungus spores let you started falling from the sky. <laughs> I'm king now because I can keep you from the spores. Yeah, yeah uh, or they can show you can totally disrupt it. Like uh, the uh, last Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. uh, like the villain was actually just a soldier who happened to be in a time when oh, well, we're we're kind of phasing war out. Yeah, yeah. Khan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, are- like, you know, the guy that was king because he could do something incredibly. Suddenly, like, if that's no longer needed... Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> What's your superpower, frozen superhero? I can sense communism! <laughs> Let's get you to the fallout world. Return me to my mansion. Oh, about that. Um, <laughs> or Iceman would actually be really... Pop- I, I worry my powers don't work. I don't smell it anywhere. Not even from China. Yeah, um... <laughs> Some things have changed. Yeah, heads up, <laughs> Captain McCarthy. We're, 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 yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna, McCarthy would be the last person with that power. Yeah, yeah it's like, kind of like the whole point. Really bad. Yeah, like, yeah, we're going to need the keys to the mansion. Back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Iceman would actually be really useful in the Red Marcus because be like, I could refrigerate your foods. Like, <laughs> ah, everything is preserved now. Thanks. Please to me. don't add superheroes to Red Marcus. <laughs> Please. Or Please. maybe. <laughs> Please do not. They're already talking about vampires. Empire the Masquerade Hacks, please. <laughs> don't, don't do this to what I've created. Uh, please treat. It wasn't what it was designed. <laughs> treat Caleb's baby It's not baby what we thought right. we were creating. Hey, man, death of the author. And you- uh, I know, but I can beg. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what that Just is. Screaming into the night. Like, we only uh, had the best intentions. Uh, so on that note, uh, Caleb's begging. Uh, Please. We'll, we'll take a, a quick short uh, break and then come back with uh, anecdotes or shoutouts and anecdotes. Please don't. <laughs> We're back, and uh, so now we have shout-outs. Uh, so first off, I would like to mention a video game I uh, beat last night called The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Uh, I got it on Steam sale. It's a very short game. It's like three hours. Uh, it's half walking simulator, half puzzle game. Uh, you're basically a detective who... Uh, Say no more. Oh, I, oh tell <laughs> us. I can Whoa. move? Yeah, you, Revolutionary game. Um, well, it's a very beautiful looking Put game. Put your seatbelt on. Yeah. Um, it's about a detective who's uh, looking for a missing kid uh, in this sort of very uh, beautiful scenic valley with a... Uh, a dam and you know there's several houses to look through and everything and it's got sort of a Lovecraftian theme but you find these different places and there's little mysteries to investigate and puzzles to solve uh, it's a beautiful game it's got a very interesting story I, I, I liked it and it's a, it's very brief as well it's like three four I mean two to four hours to beat uh, I hundred percent it in three hours so um, but yeah if you can get it on sale uh, I mean it's retails normally for 20 bucks which is insane for a three hour game but uh, it always goes on sale for like 80% off or something like that on the, the Steam summer, uh, Steam sales. So, 
Um, check it out if you can. It's 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 a it's a neat little story. It's like a you know short story as a video game, but a re- well written one, and it's again beautiful. Uh, it's also available for PS4 and Xbox. So um, oh, for you console gamers, so it, yeah, might, yeah. it might eventually come to like gold uh, there, like the um, the monthly PS Plus or something. Probably so. uh, if it hasn't already. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great game with a great story uh, and makes you think uh, a little bit. At oh the end. my. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh, so that's my first shout-out. Uh, uh, Aaron, you had one. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, so uh, I brought this up, too. As anybody knows, I'm a fan of the uh, the Karate Punch Man of Tokusatsu. So uh, okay. some Sire Con Rider. And, yeah. He those said words. Sounds. He said uh, words. Are, no, words, words have meaning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's another language, but not, not going to go with that. Um, what uh, it's like they've recently been doing right now uh, is actually setting up uh, some of the older Kamen Rider series, but actually doing it more for more of the adult uh, genre. Okay. And they took one of the older series, the fourth one of the older, the old common writer called uh, Amazons, which is now Amazons with an S and uh, have modified. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, do, they, the language problems continue. Yes. <laughs> they deliver packages in two days or less. They do. So, um, but the whole basis of this one is that they actually are following a op kind of a black ops mercenary team that is hunting down, uh, monsters that were created by a pharmaceutical company, and the uh, of course they're all they. I, what surprised me about this is that it became a little more willing to be violent. Uh, it was dealing with monsters who were just killing these outright, and they are outright just saying, "Well, we can't let this pharmaceutical company go down, so we're gonna because they are our paycheck, so we're gonna take them out." And they end up finding two of these, which they can kind of control and use for their own side as monsters. And it's really reminiscent, almost of what the, uh, what a Knights Black Agents game is, because half the time they have weapon that's kind of effective against them, but until the actual you know riders enter the fray, they're more or less at their mercy. So okay, and it really reminded me of the whole thing of Night Black Agents, where again the vampires you're supposed to fucking avoid them. You do not want to get out. Uh, and I've, I've been really surprised by it. So uh, it will be on, apparently, on Amazon Prime's International here in the next Harpoon couple Harpoon guns and lightning. Yes. And apparently bikes. Yeah. And bikes. And bikes. So. <laughs> All right. to, to be honest, there's only one bike in there that's, like, super special. Uh. So. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Just the one then. Yes. So it's BM, is a BMX bandit. No. And, and Gritty espionage. <laughs> Although, to be honest, they, uh, to be fair, they've only used it actually for transportation, and everything else has been, you know, trying to tear people in half. So oh, Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's the thing. Uh, Caleb, uh, you had uh, one? Or- so um, Super Hot came out on PSVR. Mm. Uh, it is everything VR was meant to be. Um I, I often wonder why Super Hot exists in a world where you could put graphics on it and it would automatically be the best game I've ever played. Uh, but I realized as I played VR is that the mechanic of subjective time passage is so good, you don't even need a theme on top of it. Well, it's an aesthetic. Yeah, whatever. You shoot the red men. <laughs> Um and so, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, you can be like, oh, I played Dwarf Fortress blindfolded for my Twitch stream. I'm blur. <laughs> I'll be with the rest of humanity playing games that don't require me to learn how to code. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of this middle brow. Like, oh, console, please. No, I'm fighting back, and uh, I'm eloquent, motherfuckers. So. Uh, Cox! Yeah, deal with okay. it, computer nerds. All I can't right. wait to read the comments on this, meaning that I won't. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, uh, we did uh, Super Hot VR. It's as cool as I've ever felt doing anything ever. Now, I know that objectively, were I watching a screen of myself playing it, I would have looked like a spastic idiot. But uh, when you're playing the VR, it's registering your whole body and you physically are having to dodge bullets. It is like the coolest feeling ever. Also, on the VR thing, you can now dual wield, uh, which is amazing. Um, so uh, I was playing it over at Spencer's. Uh, I had two guys running at me in front with guns and two guys on the side of me with shotguns to either side of my head, and I kept losing. The way I won it is I grabbed two glasses from the table, simultaneously threw them into the guys on the side faces, caught their shotguns in midair, shot the dudes in front of me, then ducked their bullets, and then no look shot the guys to the side of me before dropping both shotguns, and I felt like John fucking Wick. (laughs) And it was the most fun I've ever had playing a video game. Also, if I owned a VR headset and could play it every day, I think I might actually lose weight, because it's exhausting. It is sweaty work, because it recognizes your whole body, so you're like lifting up a leg to get over a bullet and twisting yourself around and dodging and going up and down. Um, so it is it is a lot of fun. If you have any kind of PSVR, I cannot recommend so, downloading it high so enough. Is it, is it John Wick aerobics. Yes. So it's yes. actually like registering from the PS, the camera. Yeah, the camera's to, registering and you and your body. So like you have to, if, you, if it's coming towards your head, you have to physically duck. You can't play it yeah. sitting down or anything like that. Um, and you're like punching and and like yeah I suppose I could have done like slower movements to be like oh it's a video game it doesn't recognize it but then you're not into it and I was so into it so uh, Super Hot VR it's everything that VR should be uh, if they ever make a game like Super Hot with actual like Max Payne graphics I will never need to play anything else ever again <laughs> uh, yeah that's probably going to be the next Max Payne game. Um, Tom, you had a shout-out. Yeah, it's also another game. Okay. Mine's not nearly as action-packed as that, uh, but, but I've been playing the shit out of it, uh, Banished. Banished? Oh, about the medieval town? Yeah, uh, and uh, I, love, I love sim games and you know, things like that. It's... Like, he was like, he was like, yeah, guns and drop the guns, shotguns, yeah. And I'm like, well, so I'm going to build my village and uh, <laughs> like carefully arrange the buildings because here. I am their god and they shall do <laughs> as I say. Well, the thing about the game, it's punishingly difficult. Yeah, I've heard that. It is like because you're like, it's like okay, just you know, start to cut down, like cut down some trees, and then you know, well, winter's coming already. <laughs> like okay, well, I chopped down the how much goddamn firewood do you need? <laughs> and like uh, so, uh, like. Like okay, like I think I should like. How are you out of food? <laughs> I, I, I found myself. Are you saying scream- life in the Middle Ages was hard? Yeah, I find myself screaming at, at my in my imaginary villagers like like how can you eat so much shit? Trust me, I've heard it from the uh, my office. So uh, you should like, stream that. That sounds amazing. Or it's like your clothes are wearing out already. <laughs> like an angry Jewish god uh, grandmother as God, you know? Like well, except I de- except I determined they're every Bubsy, why. Are you dying? <laughs> Your brother never runs out of food. Why He's are, a doctor. Why is the corn full of weevils? We never asked for this. Especially if you start on di- on hard difficulty. Okay, well is, that was a choice. Well, you only you only start with uh, a cart of the su- few supplies you brought with you. Yeah, and no buildings, so you have to immediately start building houses. And winter can hit, and you could be like, I've lost an entire town. Just winter hit, and everyone died before a house could be built. <laughs> That's fucking quick. <laughs> 
Do you just start on like September 30th and it's like, all right, winner. Sometimes it's random. I think I think sometimes it's random, but yeah. so like, it's I, mathematically so impossible. So yeah, to I, win. I, everyone was dead. Oh, I'm sorry, except for one two-year-old. Oh. Who, he survived. He survived the longest of anyone, but it was just like four incomplete houses with no roofs. <laughs> oh my god! That's... Because apparently they were so busy building the houses that they didn't like. We don't have enough firewood, like, and also it doesn't matter because we have no roofs on our house, so the heat just goes right out the top. So what you're telling me is it was a rough. It was a rough winter in Stardew Valley. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. All I know is all I know is there, I. I never find myself yelling at imaginary people more than in that, <laughs> because also like you don't start with any kind of seeds you can plant. So the only food you can get is hunting and gathering until you're to built your town up enough to finally build a gigantic trading post dock where you can start maybe importing some seeds. But by that point, you have to have like a five times the people you start with to even man it properly. Nice. So you yeah, farming isn't even an option until you know <laughs> later in the game. Uh, well, I, you really sold the game on me, Tom. I have to say, like, yeah, <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> anyway, I, I was like, yeah, stop dying. I really do kind of want to see you stream it, though. <laughs> all right, yeah. uh, uh, all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can. Um, speaking of things that are hard, uh, I've been <laughs> reading uh, a manga called Ichi F. Uh, which is a bi- autobiography of a uh, worker at the Fukushima site, uh, and oh, it's, it's a very procedural focused, uh, where it's all about like it's not. It doesn't really. It mentions you know the morality and the the ethics of like or the, like the whole like oh my god nuclear power we're all gonna die. But no, it's it's primarily focused on like what they have to do to work, like what kind of jobs they have to do, like, uh, and the procedures they have to go through just to get in the site and like put on the first layer of protective clothing. Then when you get to the site, remove your shoe coverings and put on the second layer of clothing. And then like duct tape the, you know, this so that your mask is, uh, uh, forms a seal. So you can't scratch your nose for the next two hours. Uh, cause you can only work an hour a day at the hot sites, you know, before you get hit your daily, uh, radiation dosage, and uh, you get like twenty millisieverts of uh, exposure a year. And you get through one, uh, like one point eight in an hour there. So uh, you can only work twenty days there at most uh, per year. Uh, but um, it's uh, fascinating because you know he goes through not just that, but like the rest stops area where like workers get food and water and stuff like that. Uh, and he talks about the co-workers and just it took him like a year to get a job there because he wasn't a local and he had to apply for it. And there are all these like multiple layers of contractors. It's like six contractors between him and Tepco, the primary you know the company that actually had the power plant. Uh, and it's it's very it you know it's interesting. Like I kind of want to run games now set in radiation sites. So I, like yeah, put on your second layer of survival clothing. Uh, make a roll. Yeah, make a roll. Did to, you remember this? <laughs> roll to avoid heat stroke or roll, because, roll preparedness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's pretty fascinating. Um, let's see here. Caleb, you had another shout out. Um, yeah. So on Dennis Detweiler's recommendation, I watched a film called A Dark Song. Yeah. Uh, it's very good. Uh, it's like the first 30 minutes of Kill List, the weirdly abusive, horrible domestic scenario, Yeah. Uh, for the whole movie oh. with the occult stuff added in. Nice. Uh, so it's not like it doesn't shift gears. It's like it's weirdly domestic and also occult the entire time. Uh, the basic premise is a woman, uh, for reasons I will let you discover in the film, uh, wants to do a ritual that takes six months 
to enact. Uh, and so it is the act of her hiring a uh, sorcerer, cultist, wizard, whatever you want his name is, but he's a weird Cockney guy, to uh, live with her and enact the ritual and teach her how to do it. Um, and then it's the six months of the ritual, and it's dark and terrifying and gross and weird. Uh, I I do not think the film stuck the landing. I think the ending is pretty eye roll worthy, but uh, the film before it is deeply uncomfortable and effed up, and uh, really great. Uh, Unknown armies or uh, Call of Cthulhu fodder. So I like the idea of a six month ritual. That's yeah, that's that's an interesting thing because almost always in RPGs they're like you know a couple hours at most. Oh no, it's like. You have to live it. Like. She goes, he's like, you need to go buy these things. And it's like six months of food. And I'm like, why? It's like, we can't leave once it's started. <laughs> it's like, once I seal the circle, you can't leave <laughs> under any circumstances. No. So they're basically just uh, locked in this house doing weird occult shit 24 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's dark and weird and terrifying uh, in ways that, you know, Lovecraft would shy from like because it's weirdly domestic at points and there's ritual sex and it's like totally effed up and horrible from front to back uh, like a real cultist and not like Lovecraft would be like oh women have boobs it was undescribable <laughs> language fails to convey the horror I felt upon seeing it it, it doesn't do that uh, like the best of modern Lovecraft stuff it acknowledges that you know people exist yep. <laughs> yeah so um yeah i do remember watching a documentary on alistair crowley and talked about how he tried to do this months-long ritual oh uh, yeah, yeah. That- and he basically gave up at the, before he finished it because <laughs> it was exhausting he's kind of a fuck up anyway yeah uh, he was an awful monster as are the people in this film yeah. which is it's good but like yeah if you ever want to like convey a cult like it's a pretty good insider like mm-hmm. cult thing, just two people in a house doing weird, horrible shit for months. No, no, but, no I love the idea of a like, guy in a ritual has to step out like, water bottle, ah. Oh, oh, man, fuck, that is... Like, I've been having sex for like 18 hours straight, yeah. bro. I, well, yeah, I don't want to ruin anything about the film, but every part of it's bad. Yeah. Um, except, yeah, the, I don't think it sticks the landing. All right. Uh, it's, it, the I still, pretty, I'll still go see it, though. The uh, pretty, is it on really, Netflix? Uh, uh, I rented it. Okay. Uh, I rented it on PS Now. Okay. Okay. Uh, I would like to mention another horror film. Uh, this is a short, though. Uh, it's on the YouTubes and Steam. Uh, this is Oats Studios' latest offering as of this podcast, Zygote. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it too, Eric? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's basically Neil Bloomkamp saying, see, I could have fucking done aliens better than you, assholes. Uh, and except, he was right. Yes. It, only it's not an alien. It's worse than an alien. Oh, God, it's so much worse. so messed up looking. Yeah. I've described stuff like that before. Yeah. And like had visions in my head. Yeah. But like seeing the effects version of it and having it be worse. Yeah. So much worse. It's is- a it's it's a Shoggoth made of people. Like it's fucking terrifying. Like- <laughs> um and Dakota Fanning's in it, uh and she does a good job. Uh you know also has the best story, uh the least amount of voiceover. Yeah. Uh the yeah. Least, every single know, one's been better. Than the last. Yeah. 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 Neil so. Blomkamp's killing it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's he's good. Uh, 
And uh, I kind of wish I had the ability to take those 3D model files, which are available on Steam, and turn them into 2D art files, because then I would totally use that and make my own fan Delta Green scenario and stat that thing out. Because uh, holy shit, that's amazing uh, and terrifying. So, yeah, because I mean, the whole business model is about selling essentially DLC. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Gen Con is going to, like, every horror game, every other horror game is going to have, like, a still frame of that thing. Yeah. It's this, <laughs> or a GIF. Yeah, like, yeah it's here. this. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Um, you had another one. Uh, a band. Uh, Chicano Batman. I really like them, especially the latest uh, album, which is Freedom is Free. Uh, it's very funky. Uh, they use a Rhodes what, what keyboard well. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it, they they have like a horn section occasionally. They have they work a Rhodes keyboard really well. Um, the singer's very good, but um, yeah, it's it's funky. It's got some Latin beats to it. Um, f- Friendship is a small boat in a storm is like the song of the summer for me, uh, and I really like the band. So I know we don't do music very often on here, yeah, other no. than soundtracks and stuff. They do sing. It's not vaporwave. Um, vaporwave. They have melodies and <laughs> harmonies occasionally, <laughs> and the songs do end. And are not 20 minutes long. So I know it's not typical for an RBBR music <laughs> recommendation, but, uh, Why you know, like me, 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 me being so low class yeah. and a filthy council gamer, know, I'm getting, this is what me and my, my, my fellow melody oh my friends on the street are listening to. Wait, they're not, they're not sampling 25,000 different no, random noises. They actually have instruments. Yeah. God, everyone's just throwing shade. I, I don't know, man. I'm sensing some subtext here. Yeah, right? there, there is. Uh, a bit rude, I feel. Um, <laughs> Uh, finally, I got, uh, let's see here, uh, a couple more, uh, real quick. Uh, one is Scarecrow Video in Seattle. I went there. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's a video rental store that has not only DVDs, Blu-rays, but uh, VHS tapes uh, and PAL DV- VHS tapes. And, like, they they have, like, sections for, like, Algerian movies and, like, uh, they have a Bigfoot section uh, of uh, horror movies. They even have mo- – my uh, parents made a movie called Copperhead in the early 80s. You could check out a VHS of it. Copperhead. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Adam Scott Glancy swears by it. I was converted to it when I went there. Uh, it's it's amazing. So if you live in the Seattle area and you have haven't you done the out- movie you found there yet? Is this uh, a shout-out? Uh, Copperhead? No, no the, the oh the, the s- thing you made me watch. Oh, the Seventh Curse. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. yeah, the Seventh Curse uh, is uh, directed by the same man who did the story of Ricky, uh, and it's basically a pulp Cthulhu game as a 1980s Hong Kong uh, bit of insanity. Uh, lots of actors, very low safety thresholds for stunts. People probably uh, died. <laughs> Chow Young-Fat has a rocket launcher at one point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is standard yeah, for professors. It, it, yeah, professor of the occult. Uh, and it's fucking batshit insane. There's Seven a skeleton course. fight scene in it that makes uh, Army of Darkness look like Andy Serkis. <laughs> Uh, that is the jankiest, oh, yeah. worst puppet skeleton I've ever seen. And they have, like, full-blown guys who trained from birth at the Hong Kong Ballet doing their best to kung fu it. And it's just like, woo, Team American across the background. It is, uh, that was my favorite part. 
Uh, skeleton ants. Actually, my favorite part is the uh, opening SWAT team hostage rescue scene. <laughs> that it has nothing to do with the movie. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it might be entirely super. Also, crazy reporter lady. Yeah. yeah. She is <laughs> utterly unhinged reporter lady. It's uh, pretty good. Well, no, yeah. I love the fact that this the curse it, itself actually gives you explosive blood clots. <laughs> that it doesn't travel to your brain and kill you. No, it or your heart. It's just going to. I think the implication was that he was being shot because as he shot those dead cultists, uh, he was being. Being shot in turn, synthetic magic. I, I, I could see that, but they still they still actually identify them as blood clots. Yeah. Uh, or like, how much acid did that reporter kick? And then later it's like, no, you can't go with us. Yeah. It's too dangerous. Yeah, she is the da- most dangerous character in the movie. Uh, speaking of terrible movies, uh, there's a video game I played recently uh, a couple weeks ago called Deadly Tower of Monsters, which is a riff on B movies from the 1950s. Uh, but it's 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 interesting because the conceit is that we're watching a movie called Deadly Tower of Monsters and there's director commentary and so like when the guy, like there are monsters that are claymation and when you shoot them it's like yeah we didn't have a great budget I they were green at first I told them to redo it in red uh, and <laughs> like when you die it's like wait a minute this is an outtake this isn't the real thing bring the real back you know and so the whole thing <laughs> is this real meta narrative of like you being the actors it being the characters in this movie uh, while the director's commentating about it and it's it's quite fun and the game mechanics are pretty fun too it's also a really short game too it's like five hours so uh to get through the main story i mean 100 percent i would probably take 10 hours something like that but why are uh, they dying so much yeah exactly (laughs) um so and finally um last one would be uh awful fantasy card game that i got i backed it on kickstarter uh, it's based on the Twitter account Awful Fantasy, uh, which is a, <laughs> such a such a great Twitter. It account. is such a great Twitter. Uh, my favorite one of all time is like, oh, don't use that wizard's healing spells; they cause autism. It's a it's it's up there with nihilist Arby's. Yeah, it's it's really good. So they made a card. and not a wolf, not yeah. a wolf. Also a great Twitter. Oh account. yeah, it is. Um, and Awful Fantasy, it's a simple card game mechanic uh, where you're trying to get a plot, a protagonist, and an antagonist. Uh, and you randomly give uh, – everyone has an author, which is like a parody of an existing author. Um, and they have different powers. And so you're drawing cards and discarding cards in order to get one of each. Uh, and then you play it. And then, and then if you can do that, you win. But other, char- other players can steal your cards or deny you uh, draws from the, uh, the plot deck essentially. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's quite fun. So uh, We play games and have fun. We, yeah, yeah, I tried it out in Seattle. Um, and I, we'll, I'll, we'll break it out at some point maybe for – I'll bring it for Gen Con. Yeah. Um, so, because it can have wait, wait, up to six is, players. Is Gen Con coming up? Gen Con is coming up. Gen Con! August, August 16th. I uh, will be there. I know. Uh, but finally, we have anecdotes. Um, so, yeah, in Seattle, I ran uh, Red Markets, The Tourist, twice. Once for M. Scott Glancy, uh, Peter, Micah, and Faust. Uh, and that's on the RPBR actual play site. But I also ran it again for Jeff Barber and five other people uh, at Go Play Northwest. And, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, I've been there before. Yeah. Um, and so they chose uh, a job which was getting tree clippings from the inner courtyard of this high-tech campus, The Tourist. Uh, because it was an exotic tree, and they wanted to be able to, you know, have the this uh, rare apple strain brought back to the recession. Um, and they knew that the complication, because they'd spent a lot of time doing research, they knew the complication was that the inner courtyard was landmined. And so they get to the site, they they deal some legs, and you know they're all they're doing okay. 
Um, they they crit fail twice during their negotiation, so they're getting like eight bounty per taker. Um, <laughs> but you know, so far so good. You know, um, but they. Jeff uh, Barber, <laughs> designer of Blue Planet and Upwind, uh, is like they're making. They find their entrance in the inner courtyard, and he, he fails his awareness check. And he's like, uh, "So, do you want to spend a willpower or make a use a reference?" He's like, nah, let's just see what happens. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which is always the best answer. It, it, it really was good role playing. It was it was great role playing by Jeff because he took nine killing and nine stun to the chest from the claymore, and like one player lost his leg. Like, uh, like I think I don't think it was obliterated, but it was not a working leg anymore. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that awoke because uh, the Claymore mine awoke a, a, a bunch of casualties. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the job was real interesting uh, as they had to deal because other taker dr- uh, groups were on the site and they were not really happy with the players yeah. waking up all those zombies. Um, so that was that was a great moment. It was just like, yeah, let's just see. Well, how bad can one failure be? Uh, I, just ran, I just ran a game for technical difficulties. Yeah, and like they did not do great during negotiations, so they kept sticking their head into every leg they could find to try and get ancillary bounty, and they got some. But like the entire game, Ethan's like, I haven't made my upkeep yet. I haven't made my. Upkeep. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is your upkeep? He's like, eighteen, <laughs> and I'm like, for everything? No, that's gear. <laughs> What, what the fuck like, was he carrying? What are you doing? If I like, and it was a one shot, but I'm like, dude, if we were playing a campaign, you were my crew. I'd make sure you had an accident. <laughs> like, be, like, I got well, I got a drunky, and I got this. And I was like, man, <laughs> you made it through this adventure, and around three adventures from now, you guys would all be destitute. Because, damn, that's a lot of stuff. Jesus, <laughs> he was basically carrying a Best Buy with him <laughs> through the apocalypse. Yeah, I need an extra pair of Ubix specs in case my first Ubix specs break. You know? <laughs> yeah. Redundancies are always yeah. needed. Um, uh, and also, recently, Aaron and I have been playing Conflict 47. Yes. Uh, we're playing Jason from the Armitage Files group and Renee. Uh, have been uh, we've been playing with them. Uh, we had we started we started a two v two game last night. Yeah, it only uh, uh, yeah it was a little. There's bit like forty eight so. units on the board, so it takes a while to get through <laughs> a turn. Uh, but the highlight of the match so far has been uh, I had I we're actually doing random allies. So it's me, I'm Germany, and Jason's the USA, and we're allies in this in this fight versus the Japanese and the British. Uh, How'd that so, happen? Uh, well, Jason has a Ran- backstory. Rule, so. Yeah, yeah uh, there's a backstory that just. And it's a weird word. There's also fucking zombies in this game. So it's like realism and giant robots. So, robots and yeah. werewolves. And yeah, there's realism, not not so much of a factor. And Hans. And Hans, yeah. <laughs> Aaron has a fucking bounty on uh, the head of my poor truck driver who just drives a truck to drop off zombies to the front. Okay, this, this needs to be its own subject for another After Hours. All I will say about it is that every time we have played, he has either become a massive nuisance or his wrecked my shit in inadvertent ways he must die <laughs> he's just an unarmed truck driver uh, he's try- He's a man trying to make a living yeah that's the next shark he wants to stab <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently so, it's a target he goes after it so last night uh, I'm, I, I sent Hans to the Japanese side of the board not the British side so you know um, he us, drops anyway. off a, a unit of zombies and they march out 
uh, to engage Japanese infantry. And the way that works is the, the zombies and the Japanese infantry have rules that make sure that they once they get stuck in hand-to-hand combat, neither one side will retreat. They either fight to the death uh, they, yeah, they fight to the death. Like it's victory or death for both sides. So it's twelve zombies versus eight Japanese soldiers, and like they're they're sergeant with a katana, and it's like <laughs> at the end of all this rolling, we just keep rolling and rolling until like there's literally everyone dies except for the sergeant with the katana. There's like nineteen <laughs> corpses around this guy, and he's just by himself. He's got a pistol and a katana, but he's like, Banzai, I won. <laughs> So he does it like all of his friends are dead, and he can't do much on his own. That's but, a theoric victory, if but I've yeah, ever exactly. Uh, but it was quite the match. Oh, so. it was. Uh, but there were a lot of entertaining things about yeah. that. Also, for the fact that we tried to do three artillery strikes. At yeah, once. I dropped artillery on Aaron's unit of robots, and then Aaron decided to drop an artillery strike right next to his own rob- robots to uh, take out a mech that uh, Jason had, and I blew the mech blew up before the artillery strike came in. So Aaron's possibly going to blow up his own mechs or robots. <laughs> With an artillery strike. Well, all these two mind because yeah. they, they were already taken out as well. So, so oh, yeah, Dan- Sean, Sean, Danger close. Yeah, yeah. Sean told me he played that too. Uh, yeah, no, he. we we've, we've and, and done multiple games of it so far. And he so. said it's like, yeah, I'm gonna fire, I'll fire all my artillery at this one guy that can call in airstrikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the rules are pretty fun, and there's a lot of variants of uh, how you can set up units. So you can have little spotter teams to call in an airstrike once per game, uh, and then those guys are fucking useless. But like, so, but until then, you're like, like I dropped in my artillery because I didn't want them to get sniped before they could use their one thing for the game. So uh, yeah, uh, it's a fun game. Uh, anyways, I think that's it for uh, anecdotes. Unless anybody else has one, no. Or we could do about we could, we could in future games we can put a vulture uh, in there so you know yeah. that he yeah. is right. Or just go like war. Is good for business. It is good for business. Uh, that is that is a constant. Um, so uh, this has been Ross Payton with RPVR. It's been episode one forty four. The vulture was right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.